Hey, Tribble Nation, it's Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Holla at your boy. Bringing you a very special treat today on the Black Tribble's feed as we present to you episode one of our newest podcast, The Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the Black Tribble's weekly review of HBO's new historical horror fantasy series. Myself, Gabe the Horror Tribble, and Ariel, the uncanny tribble of Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, have gotten together to host this weekly series. We're going to be pulling from the, the rest of the tribbles and special guests to talk about this incredible series that is being produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams and showrunned by Misha Green, starring Jonathan Majors, Journey Smollett, Courtney B. Vance, and a host of others. It's a great series, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to listen to episode one. And if you like it, then look for the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country anywhere you find podcasts, because it's right there for your streaming and subscribing pleasure. Okay? Enjoy the show. Cats and kittens, children of all ages, welcome to the Black Tribbles present the safe Tribble travel guide to Lovecraft Country, our weekly review of HBO's new historical fantasy horror series brought to you by Misha Green and Jordan Peele starring Jonathan Long and Journey Smollett and Courtney B. Vance and a slew of beautiful black faces and bringing you this epic weekly review tonight my name is Len aka the Bat Tribble hello and I am joined by my lovely co-host, right there. Hey, it's your favorite good ghoul gone bad, and I am the spooky horror shrivel, and I'm super excited to talk about this. I am, like, jazzed, fully jazzed about it. <laughs> and waving her jazz hands because she's jazzed, too, is our other co-host, this lady right here. Jazz. <laughs> What's up, good people? It's the green hair bombshell, currently blonde, your one and only uncanny Tribble, aka Amalgam Tribble, aka Bruce Leroy Tribble. Show enough. Excited to be venturing out into Lovecraft Country. And all the way from the world of Dragon Ball, ladies and gentlemen, we have. 
What it do, y'all? It's your mama's favorite nephew, cousin, muscles to the young bucks, his uncle Buff, the Super Saiyan Triple in here. How y'all feeling tonight? And we couldn't have just one ghoul from next door. Yes, we had to go into all the rooms next door and find the other ghoul from next door, and that would be... Hi, it's a uh, cat here. Exciting words um, to get you hype about my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my robots trouble. Uh, ghouls next door co-host. Gabe is my favorite ghoul next door to me. And yeah, hello. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> To all of you watching us live as we are streaming on YouTube, as on our Black Tribbles YouTube page, also streaming in our Facebook group, Tribble Nation, and also streaming for the first time on our Black Tribbles page on Facebook. So there are two places on Facebook to check out the safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft country we say hello to each and every one of you as we are sitting down to review episode one sundown directed by jan demange and teleplay by misha green atticus freeman played by jonathan long meets with his friend letitia played by journey smollett and his uncle George, Courtney B. Vance, for a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing, missing father. That is a very loose uh, description of what happened last night on the, the season premiere of Lovecraft Country. Um, what do you mean? He did. He went to look for his dad. I mean, he did that. Yeah. Very true. I guess I guess you're right. That did happen. <laughs> that did happen. That did happen. And so much more happened in that episode. And we are here to talk about it. And leading us in our conversation this evening, ladies and gentlemen, is the horror triple Gabe and the uncanny triple who goes by the name of Ariel. So take it away, ladies. Where shall we go? I think I want to start with the title, actually, <laughs> um, because uh, something I saw, you know, on Twitter and something that I was thinking about as well, uh, it, it, it kind of sums up some of the really great points of this show and the book itself is, you know, similar to the Watchmen series and how our entire nation kind of became aware of what happened at the Tulsa massacre through that the, the what we saw on screen right. is like how many Americans are learning what a sundown town is mm-hmm. because of this show and this program. Like we're opening that, and also like how you know the there's you know the, these differences in how we're feeling when we're being pursued by police and we're in the sundown town versus when we're presented with actual horrific monsters. <laughs> right, know? right, right. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, do you want to, I mean, for me, like the, the police and the monster part is clearly like the climax. So I don't know, do we want to start with that or maybe just kind of tiptoe back to some of the more nuanced things first? Well, one of the things, I'm sorry to cut you off, but one of the things when Gabe was talking about the, the title that struck me, like definitely sundown and learning the about sundown towns um, and just learning that his uncle was doing 
a book about how for black Americans, how to safely travel across the United States. And mind you, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about a story that's set in the 1800s. The story is set in the 1950s. This story is very much set in the lifetime of people who are in your family. If you are not of that age, you definitely have people in, in your family who were, you know, of the age who have been living through that, right? My father, yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my mom was my mom was born in 1953, and she's in the middle, right? So right. aunts and uncles that that you know are, are living this, are are going through those things, and getting beat up for being in the wrong neighborhoods. Like my uncle has those stories, yeah. You know? So it's it's really not that far away. But I will say, I had never heard the term sundown town before. I, I of course knew about well in the in real life the Green Book. Right. Um, so I so I did know about you know. Uh, a travel guide for black people to make sure that they could navigate without, you know, hopefully not coming into any trouble. But the sundown town, that was news to me just, yeah. just in watching. I mean, not even just watching, but reading the book, I had to like, look that up. I was like, I've never even heard that term before. But one of the things that I was struck on was, and I actually appreciate it was that, if you only know the term Lovecraft, even if and if you're a horror fan, just like, you know, Gabe, if you're a, a, a horror fan, you know the terminology Lovecraft or Lovecraftian. You've heard about Cthulhu and all of the trappings of H.P. Lovecraft's horror uh, stories, um, which have gone on to influence so many other writers and other stories and things of that nature. But what... Some people, I would imagine most people, don't know is that he was a devout racist, you know? Um, and what I appreciated about this, about this show, the irony is not lost on me and probably anyone who knows about H.P. Lovecraft. That this is a show that is about black people, about the black experience in the country uh, based on you know, the, the, the universe created by this, this racist individual. But I like that the show right at the, the top hit it on the head. Like, yo, this is, you know, this brother is racist. Yes. Did he create giant squids and all this type of stuff and, and make some fantastic uh, uh, horror imagery and stories that you are beloved? Yes, he did. But he also wrote on the creation of niggers. Was just actually some, uh, actually, you know, his Bible in regards to black people, you know, and I mm -hmm. like that it within ten minutes of this of this show they hit it on the head, putting that irony right there in, in front of your face, especially in the midst of so the beautiful imagery of black family and black love that was being presented at that time in that neighborhood in Chicago. That's what like just knocked me out the socks. That's where I thought you was going with the titles, but so I figured I had to go there for you. But now I'm, sure. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm done now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of levels to it too, and and yeah, we can like we can you know go through the the episode like Errol was saying because you know with the the climax and at the end like that title comes back and it mm -hmm. and it there's multiple levels to it, not just being like, that's why it's sundown, right? Not just sundown town or obviously called it the sundown County. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's more to that because you know uh, what's going on, but yeah. Um, something that uh, both Ariel and I as, as readers of the book noticed was there are quite a few differences 
from the the text and and that's something like as someone who i read a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> like a, a nerd for reading right and i do usually have a easy time mm -hmm. of separating the meat like the different medias like i'm like oh this is like i just put it in my head of like this is a similar story that has the same like similar characters but it's different like and i can right. let myself have that but i did have a hard time fully separating it like i was throughout and i don't know if you also had this era where it was just like something on screen was like, oh, wait, they did this. Or like, that's not what I saw right. that person as. Or like, wait a second, who's this character? Right. They totally changed right. their gender. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah so you're, <laughs> you're talking about George and, okay, so wait. And another thing that got me is the pronunciation of Hippolyta's name. <laughs> yeah, Hippolyta. Yeah, I was like, Hippolyta? I was like, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Hippolyta. <laughs> yeah. So that was like, they had an avatar moment where they're mispronouncing people's names. Uh, you know, for those who saw live action uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, you know what I mean? Um, so that that took me out of it for a second. And I all, because I really liked, you know, again, because Hippolyta, she is from like mythology, you know, she's a, I think a Amazon yeah. warrior, right? Yes, she's so yeah. again, so that, and and I feel like I can say this because they show it in the preview you see her at one point in armor. So so the fact that her name is Hippolyta and now I always thought it just reading the book, her interest kind of went in line with her name and then you see her in that armor. But so the the Hippolyta, it was just <laughs> like, did nobody, it's like Courtney, I, did nobody correct him? I don't know. So, so the Hippolyta thing messed me up. And then they made the decision to change their son, Horace, to their daughter, D. Um, mm -hmm. Diana. Which, Diana, yeah, which is, yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I, I, didn't, I never heard them say her full name. And I watched it twice. So that's why but I did hear D, but I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was subtitles. Because, yeah, yeah, I, it I subtitles. saw it on subtitles. Yeah. yeah, so the, the I didn't have my subtitles. I was like, Diana, Hippolyta, okay, I <laughs> see exactly. where you're going. Exactly, I saw where it was going, because Diana is, you know, is Wonder Woman, and Hippolyta was her mother. I was like, oh! Mom, I was like, ah! <laughs> but she writes the funny? comic books. Yeah. You know what's funny? I have to, I forgot Hippolyta is Wonder Woman's mother's name, because when I hear Hippolyta, I think Midsummer Night's Dream. But oh, okay. And in, in, in Midsummer Night's Dream... She, she is still a she's an Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but but I always forget that because I met Shakespeare's Hippolyta first. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Uh, Charles Montez Washington's coming all the way from Cincinnati. What's up, dude? How you doing? Thanks for checking us out. Well, I love when people uh, chime in and let us know where they're watching us from. So that's cool. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, I, I was super excited. Like, and, and that's switch because Horace was, his story was super interesting, but uh, Hippolyta is like my favorite character in the whole book. And so oh, really? I was like, yeah, so she's yeah. the one like, I was like, I can't wait to see her. And as soon as they showed that, the, like, the bed in her, and I was like, I know it's her. I know that's going to be her. And I would say like, there's something that happens on screen that I thought was really like exciting. So like when I got ready to, to watch it and you know the the screen comes up and it tells you all the different warnings right and it's just mm -hmm. like you know nudity whatever and so it's like okay maybe there's going to be like hot people who get involved in sex <laughs> acts right and instead what we had was like honest like beautiful just like 
a loving relationship of like yes. the older people who were just like average people, you know, like and their parents, right? And right. they have their kids right. out there. And it was like, it was so emotional and like to see that screen and, and it's something that we, we just don't see very often. And I, I was like, I was here for it because I really love Hippolyta and George's relationship in the, the book. And I, I love how strong and powerful she is and how accepting he is of that, which is another kind of change in this in here that he's oh. kind of hesitant of that right um, yeah because in the in the book um she's not even there when Atticus gets there because she's already on a trip right for the guy mm-hmm. oh, yeah okay. and so yeah. so the fact that in the show they made the decision where he doesn't want her to go out I noticed that as well and I was like oh, okay that's a change and and you yeah. know you you think you know this is a high budget production so all of these changes mean something to me you know what I mean I feel like mm-hmm. you wouldn't just just haphazardly do or not do something. So I feel like these are all choices. So I'm interested to see how their story progresses now that we're starting from this other place. Yeah, to see how he kind of comes to that. There's also the change of like him being in a bus at the beginning, like that he was in a car in the beginning of the book. And so I thought that whole bus scene right. was very interesting too. Mm-hmm. The separation, the fact that like he's sitting there reading this book and his like moment of isolation and like pleasure just like encapsulated by this book, it's surrounded by greenery. And then, you know, you have this like rude incoming of like, you know, they're gonna ship the, the white people off back to town and they gotta walk. And he's just like picking up the, the bags for, for the older woman. Like that really set the tone to me as, as someone who read the book uh, of like, okay, this is gonna be different, but everything is intentional and everything is beautiful in that way too. Right. Um, another a big change that I noticed is the last names. So instead of George Barry, Atticus Turner, Montrose mm-hmm. Turner, everybody is Freeman. Um, mm-hmm. So so we're losing some of that backstory about uh, in the book, you know, George and uh, Montrose being half brothers. Um, but here they have the same name and, and they specifically choose Freeman as the last name, which again, uh, you know, from this... Uh, this idea of like, you know, finding your roots and, mm-hmm. and, and tracing all that back. And the idea of that is the, that is the process that kind of makes you free. In fact, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I, th- you know, kind of going through some of the, one of the things that caught my eye and I don't know if anyone else knows it. And it's only because I just recently found out it's one of those things where it's like, people are finding about sundown towns. They're finding about Tulsa massacres but I found out um, on at one point he had a book on his bed, I believe, and it was The Count of Monte Cristo, yes. which is Alexander Dumas. And I had just recently found out that he is black right. and that the three right. musketeers oh. are black. And I was like, that's yep. phenomenal that it was there. And it, it's never remarked upon. It's just there. And I saw The Count of Monte Cristo. And I was like, oh, because, oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, just got so excited about it. Like these little things throughout that like, you know, like us nerds <laughs> mm-hmm. can see and, and really appreciate. Yeah, I definitely saw that. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, I see what you're doing. Just just little subtle, subtle things, you know what I mean? Like going back to the whole bus thing, like I liked that the, the, race, the, the racist tension there was all unspoken. Right. Like mm-hmm. you see the separation on the bus. Right. You see the bus break down. You see the bus driver pull up with somebody, you know, 
that he and the the the, the, the older lady that was also traveling are not going to be allowed to travel with them. You you just know it. It's all unspoken. They don't have to say like, you know, no, no, you you guys, y'all can't get on here, nothing like that. It's all unspoken because and I think that's a byproduct of smart storytelling. Um and also probably knowing that by now, 21st century, we've seen these scenes before in other television shows and 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 movies we know how it plays out we don't have to have another lovecraft rendition of that we already know what's what it's hitting for let's get to the more important stuff well i think but i think what that scene of separation and them not being allowed to ride with the other uh folks that were on the bus the white people that were on the bus is that separation, I think, for me is deepened because he has his army bag. So he's very clearly a vet. He's very clearly coming back from, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I, I and I, of course, I got to think in today's terminology, you know, a certain group of people love to shout about veterans. And it's like, but you do realize there was only like even veterans for as much as you want to uplift them there were veterans you didn't care for. You know yep. what I mean? There were there, men went off and fought for this country, died for this country. And then they weren't able to come home and sit at a counter and be served. You know what I mean? So, so that is like, again, this kind of insult to injury, this insult to injury. And then especially living in this day and time when, you know, people want to quick tell you about the, the veterans. It's like, well, let me tell you about the veterans. Cause my dad was a veteran right. and, and he did not get the respect a white veteran, you know, would get quote unquote, because honestly, I don't think our country really takes care of veterans, but True. you know, but if you want to argue that they do, it's like, there's a certain class of, or, you know, folks that are getting better treatment than some. And just, again, that was the thing that I thought found myself getting really angry. And he has his army bag. Like he literally died so that you can walk around and be a, a jackass, you know? <laughs> Right. I mean, not, not die, but I'm sorry, go, you know, not die, but gone off and risked his life. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I saw friends die, you know, so you yeah. can have the right to like treat him like he's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's really um, that's what's a, a powerful thing to, to see play out. And that's something that we also saw in Watchmen, too, like with the, the existence of the, the notes that came to the to the black soldiers of like, look how they treat you. Mm-hmm. And it's right. obviously like that that issue between him and his father that will come up as well. But I also think like that scene where he's walking with that woman and she asks, like, what are you reading? And he brings up the the Martian uh, book Prin- about the ex John Carter? Yeah, John, the yeah. Princess of John Mars. Carter. Yeah. Of uh, and so, like, saying, like, you know, it's an ex Confederate soldier who ends up on Mars and now he's a hero. And she's like, he's the enemy, right? Like, he's an ex Confederate soldier. Like, he fought for slavery. That's it. Like, there's no redemption. There's which no egg in front of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, to me, was like, that's the upfront commentary on Howard Philip Lovecraft, right? Like, <laughs> that's what we're talking about him. Like, he, like, we are not, you know, rising or, or, or idolizing his content. Like he still is that. He still is that problematic force. And instead, we're using this uh, to speak on the the deeper issues that he himself was like a part of, you know. And so I I thought that yeah. like right out the gate, there were so many things that were just like, look what you're getting into. Um, and I also think like the like sound design in it as well, like the mm. choice to not have. Um, so when they first go on their trip and they're heading out 
and they're in the car, they could have had just like music, right? They could have had like suspense, but instead we had the, the speech overplayed with all the clips from like the, the, the colored entrance and the white entrance and like the, this fountain and that one overlaid with them traveling. Yeah. And it really was just like, here we are. This is where we are. Again, we don't just like say too much, but instead of having, and it was a point where we're just hearing that, that speech and the car is driving that I was just like, this is so weird that there's no music. And right. instead I'm just forced to listen to, you know, this, this man talk about what is happening. Damn. Well, you know what? So that's interesting to me because I, I actually did not like them overlaying the James Baldwin speech because for, like, I, you know, of course he's a very distinct voice. If you've mm -hmm. heard him once, you can, it's like, oh, I know who that is. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes. without any introduction, you know who it is. And for me, like James Baldwin was, you know, a visionary, a genius, a prophet. And it is hard for me to, it was hard for me to focus on what was going on because I was listening. So I felt like in that scene, you had to make a choice. Are you listening to James Baldwin or are you paying attention to what's going on? Because both things were heavy, right? And you, and you needed to be paying attention, just like the little subtle things, like them suffering indignities on the road and just having to get in their car and walk away, always having to be the bigger person, right? But, and then with this juxtaposition of, James Baldwin talking and it was just like I can't do both so it's like I almost have to go and like mute mute it and just watch it and then watch it so uh, yeah. and, and I mean and then listen to it so that I can get the fullness of it and so for me mm -hmm. that was just a little bit distracting I almost would have preferred they had done that at a more quiet moment where there's nothing happening so you could really focus on what's being said Michelle Honeycutt, thanks for watching us on YouTube, said that she loved the beautiful imagery and the tip of the hat to the famous Gordon Parks photo of a mother and daughter segregation in the South circa 1956. Yeah, there was some very... The department store mm -hmm. photo, right? Yeah, yeah, where they're in front of the window. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that as well. I actually kind of... Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying about the distinctiveness of James Baldwin's uh, voice. Uh, the amazing part, this is what makes James Baldwin just amazing, is that that wasn't even a speech. He was actually yeah. on answering. a talk show. He was just answering a question. question. That's how yeah. beast that man is, right? <laughs> that is how beast. If, you, if people want to find out, I'm, I'm just going to leave her here. If you want to find out about what James Baldwin is about, there's a documentary that is streaming right now. Check it out. I am not your Negro. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. I'll teach you everything you need to know about the, the man, the prophet that was James Baldwin. We saw that together, Lynn. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other quick note, just a, a, a moment that I thought was um, well done, especially given Atticus's history with his father. When he's walking and you see the, the military personnel uh drafting not i guess not drafting but he's drafting mm -hmm. yeah well, I mean, oh, yeah he's definitely drafting well he's signing yeah. them up well it's not yeah signing them up because they were younger boys so it's not right. like they could enlist right. today yeah and and they and those two share a moment um and i think atticus doesn't have anything that would really indicate he's military i mean he has his dog tags on but they're tucked in but he just looks at him and the guy gives him a knowing look and it's almost like guilt mm -hmm. the guy feels guilty for again wrangling in these these young black boys to to fight for this country that does not love them right and then Atticus's guilt 
about, you know, perhaps doing an interview about being a Negro soldier and his father being upset about it. He's like, that's irresponsible. You know, you're, you're encouraging them to do this dumb thing that you did for a country, you know, again, that does not love us, does not want us. Um, so I just thought that was, again, one of those things, nothing was said, but it was like, it was a very powerful moment. Yeah. Uh, Corey, Corey Floyd, his up. He said, the look says no snitching. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what that look says. Yeah, don't, don't tell them. That. Don't tell them like, sh- what this is. Like, sh- don't, don't let them know the horror of what goes on. Yeah. It's like any army recruiter, though. Yeah. Yeah. Lies. Recruit. That's the word I want. <laughs> yeah. Recruit. Recruit. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot to unpack. Cat uh, or Isaiah, did you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you two were gushing. I was gonna let you gush. I mean, uh, the first thing I actually wanted to say that was really cool. Like when you first get into the show, that everything's in, in black and white, and mm. you know, it's it's a war. So like, a war is happening, and you're thinking like, this is actually happening like right now. Or maybe it's like a PTSD sort of flashback moment. And then the first splash of color of anything other than black and white you get is when the bomb goes off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, crap, we about to get in it now. So then he's fighting, he's fighting, and then it just transforms into this whole different landscape of all the, you know, uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's monsters and you see Cthulhu. But what I really thought was cool, which kind of set the tone for me and to let you know where you're at, was that Jackie Robinson was the unbeatable hero. But he was the yeah. unbeatable, undeniable yeah. black hero it. that saved the day. And I was like, yo, like, don't worry, brother. I got you. Batter up. And his home run Cthulhu out of there. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, all right. I know what kind of story I'm about to be in for. So let's go. Yeah. I did like yeah. that. I did like yeah. that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, you got Martians, you got the War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. Like you're just in the middle of sci-fi town, and you're just in Atticus's head. It's yes. so great. Oh, so good. Sci-fi so, town. I love that. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would be sci-fi city. That sounds good. Sci-fi city. <laughs> yeah, sci-fi city. He's <laughs> in his mind of a sci-fi city, and then you get brought out, and then like you, like you already mentioned, uh, it's just you know you see the the separation and segregation of it all, and uh, the older black woman, she makes the snide remark, which pretty much sets the tone like, oh, yeah, this is about Lovecraft. He was racist. He's, you know, overpopular or not overpopular. What's the, the word I'm looking for? Um, overhyped. He's just overhyped. And but he, he makes some good work. Right. Right. So here, here we go. Continuing on with the story. Uh, and the one moment y'all have mentioned where it's like, all right, you know, they're not going to get any sort of help from uh, the white like pickup truck drivers. To me, I felt a different sort of like unease when that scene happened, because when he was looking, he looked at the driver and the driver made like a look at him. And then he was like looking at the people getting on. And I felt that maybe they would take him. But if he were to go, something bad is going to happen. Not that like, oh, he's not going to get denied the ride. Oh, he might get a ride, but it'll be his last ride. So I was like, nah, let me play this one cool. Me and Miss, we're going to go walk. So that that's what I felt instead. It's just it's a whole bunch of unease throughout this entire episode. Of, oh, dear God. And I'm just like, I'm making the checklist. I'm like, yo, don't do this. Hey, don't don't say that. Hey, make sure you move like this. Like I'm making the internal checklist as I'm watching. Like, oh God, please live. <laughs> like, don't 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 die. Episode one. Yeah, uh. the, 
there's a lot of that unease, like in, in these scenes that would otherwise be mundane, like like we, you don't get to anything that's horrific or mm -hmm. scary. Like you don't see the shoggets until much later, like at the end of this episode, like that, yeah. the, the crux of it. So all of the, the fear that you're feeling before that is like on these like really small things that because of, of where it is, it is heightened. So like, even like when they're in the diner, like that was one of my favorite parts in the book mm, yep. was like, and, and in the book, it, it takes so much more time and there's so much tension because they're, they're really building it out. And you're like, you're like, this is taking a long time. Like, where did they mm -hmm. go? Where's Letty? Like, I know that we went by that fire truck. And then like, I really loved the way they incorporated the line of like, why is the White House white? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like, so and good. that reveal was like, because that's one of my favorite parts of it too. Was that like kind of thing, and then looking and being like, this ain't, this does not check out. And when he kicks the the floorboard, mm -hmm. I was like, this is so great. I was like, that's such a great way to show, like, you know, then, visually. Oh, and let me just come in and go get the <laughs> <laughs> Like, yup, yes. just hop in the car and get going. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our first. And our Jordan thing. There's no good white people. That was like pretty great. I mean, in the 1950s, I guess there wouldn't be. But um, <laughs> to really stay playing true to that, and that like every single scene where a white person was there, they were doing something messed up. Like the police officer closing off a fire hydrant. Mm. You got like all the people just like got glances every now and then. All of them were awful, and you like knew something awful was going to happen when they were on screen. Which is like, I guess it ties to the whole theme that like the scariest part of the show is the white people, not the monsters. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> or fortunately. Like, that, like I know that is the theme, uh, but like for, for me, it really it really says something where I'm like, I'm really more nervous and afraid of what's gonna happen to them with regular people versus these monsters. Whereas like the monsters show up like, oh, I feel a lot calmer now. I think I know how to like solve this whole solution versus everything else. I'm like, oh, no, just, I don't know, just disappear, go somewhere else, fly. I don't, I don't know what the direct answer is. Just find, make something else happen besides this situation. The monsters come like, oh, I don't know. Well, they hate light, right? Get a flashlight, you cool. Just lightsaber that <laughs> yeah. thing around a little bit and make your way out, you fine. Well, and you know what it is, I think, because when, when we are dealing with um, white citizens or or specifically white police, what people, white people in authority, yeah. that is a very and I, and again, I'm sure it's influenced by the fact that I'm a black person, right? So there right. is a real there is a real um, it's a different weight, like yeah, like there's a real generational trauma mm -hmm. there. So immediately you see the signs, you're like, oh, oh, they need to leave, they need to leave. You know what I mean? You're mm -hmm. you're having those moments of panic because you know what the outcome is. I think the relief that I felt when the monsters came is like, oh, well now now we're even, right? Like, you, yep, know what I mean? right. You, yep. you you talk about level playing field. It's like, all right, so you have just as good amount, a good a chance of getting God as I do. That makes me feel better. Not this world where the, the odds are stacked against me. Mm -hmm. um, and and I also I I love like the nerd power because George and Atticus are ten steps ahead because they're like, you know, what happens? They didn't they didn't like the light. What if they're like vampires because we didn't see them during the day? Like they're piecing it together quickly. What happens when you get bit mm -hmm. by a vampire? Mm -hmm. Though I was like, mm, that was more of a werewolf turn. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's like, because if it's a vampire, a little more has to happen than you just being bitten. But, you know, technicalities. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so it's, 
and it's so it's funny, especially because the police officers keep saying, oh, he's a smart one. He thinks he's a smart one. It's like mm-hmm. he is. And yes. he just out like him and his uncle just put the mystery together in the five seconds while you standing there looking silly. You know, with what one I mean? arm, with yes. one arm <laughs> and distorted you know, voice. Yeah. So it's so it, it's again, it just 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 like really well done. Um, yeah. And again, the most tension you feel is in that car chase because when the first monster attacked, I felt relief. Yep. I was like, right. "Thank God, the right. monsters right. are right. now. They can now they might actually get away." You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the only thing I was going to say is that uh, you, Gabe, were talking about how much you appreciated, you know, Hippolyta or Hippolyta. Uh, as as you will, and it's Hippolyta. <laughs> yes, I I go Hippolyta. We but, Amazon. We but for people for that. people who are us, you know, don't read the comics or or the books. They don't you know if you don't have the if you don't have the uh, 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 closed caption on, you hear Hippolyta. You know, don't even maybe not connected to Hippolyta. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, you were talking about how much you appreciated um, her depiction by Anjanae Ellis. The the actress, uh, you and Ariel, having read the books, I'm curious about how you felt about you know the the major the main stars of the show. Uh, Jonathan Long is Atticus, uh, Courtney B. Vance is Uncle George, and the treasure, as Ariel put it, of Journey Smollett as Letitia. Yes. Yeah, her, was... her scream takes are everything. And when she was running, I said, run, girl. I said, she said, I run track and I'm going to show you. And she was like, huh. Like, it was so, it was like so badass because it was so unladylike. Like, she's like, no, I got to get to this car. So she's like growling almost. Mm-hmm. Like, like and, and things that I feel like you only, only let you see like men do. It's like, no, no, she's going through a metamorphosis. She is now in beast mode. And like, like she was just like gunning. I was like, this is so exciting. And, and her, and just the, the scene in the, in the uh, diner where she's like, y'all need to get the, get your A's up. We need to get the F out of here. And she just like, I just, I just loved her. And I think she brings, it's, she brings like so much like edge to Letitia that I'm not sure I felt in the book. I, I mean, I got the, the sense that Letitia kind of went her own way, but even as she's walking and she puts her glasses down and like gives that look to mm-hmm. those white ladies, like, and uh-huh. you know what I mean? Just kind of her boldness. I didn't get that necessarily in the book, not in the same way. I mean, you do, but not in the same way, just kind of kind of her looking people up and down on the street. That's, that's like next level in 19. 19- 50, you know, four, 53, whatever year True. it is. So, so I just, I was just like, man, she's kind of hardcore. And then, so when you see her get put to the test and she rises to the challenge, it's like, oh yeah, she's that chick. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I was like, this is, this is great. I love it. Yeah. She, she kind of felt younger to me too than in the book. I Not that she was like much older, but in the book, I felt like she had, she was just a little older, a little like, like slow to kind of react to certain things. And also I like like this add-on of like when she has an argument with her brother and she mentions like, you know, like essentially protesting and having to pay bail for her friends. And like, there's this whole other level. And when she introduces like this idea of like, you know, there's a bunch of like black folks who are moving into white neighborhoods. Like she introduces that pretty early and it, it feels like 
way more on purpose. Like I feel like I got I got to know her already. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, it was kind of like a slow move to it. Um, and I would say, as far as like casting, like the the character that, and and, and it's because it's been a minute since I, I read it, was uh, Ruby that really like struck oh. me. Okay. Because I only because like I know her story and I know what she's gonna go through. So to see her, I was like, oh, this is like I feel like it's gonna be so much more than just when I read it. Because like I could put whoever I want in my head, but to see that woman and know what's gonna happen to her and know this struggle that she's gonna go through, and to see her like on that stage and and be rocking out and being so proud and like just beautiful in this force, and then know what's gonna happen. I was like, I I'm really on board to see like. Like she was phenomenal. Uh, and and uh, K. Martin corrected you, Ariel. Um, let's <laughs> g- let's give do give it, give her name proper. Her name is actually Letitia <laughs> Fucking Lewis. Hashtag <laughs> yeah. Word. So let's let's get it right. Let's get it. Let's get it right. Well, right you know right. you know what I'm used to. Usually we can't say the bad words. Yeah. But I have, oh, wait, I have okay. to, I, oh, we're not on radio, ladies radio. and gentlemen. Oh my yeah. God, dog. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder, because it's been a little while, because we certainly cussed in Throne of Tribbles. We certainly cussed in Walking Tribbles, and Death Tribbles Walking. So, yeah, I have to remember that. Wait, wait. Yes. (laughs) We we are also free men. Yes, that was such a good. She was like, "I'm driving." <laughs> like, like in the in the beginning when she's just like, "And since I'm not allowed to drive," mm-hmm. <laughs> this hey, one, which also adds to like George and like his reluctance to have Hilda out there because this is like that's a whole another level that we just added to you know Uncle George. Well, yeah. I, just real quick before we move it off off of her onto the other characters, what I I thought in Atticus and her him. Because he fought in the war and was in the in, in the military, and her because of what she was going through, because because she obviously left the town, even though it was Chicago, it was almost had like a small town type of vibe. She left. That you had a worldliness of the two of them that you that you felt, but despite the worldliness, which is probably why they connected with one another, they both had different viewpoints on what they have seen. Um, because he he was coming from the military and he was coming to America, you know, rightfully thinking that there should be some like, you know, debt owed to him because of what he had done. You know what I mean? Whereas okay. she, because she had been out there fighting the fight. Oh, she know. Ain't no debt coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all want to keep waiting for that 40 acre and a mule. Ain't nothing happening. You know what I mean? So uh, mm-hmm. I appreciated that, that. And having seen Jonathan make, uh, Major, the first time seeing him was in um, Last Black Man in San Francisco. I really liked him. He he was he was on point. I, I enjoyed him a lot. I don't know how much how true he is to the book, the character in the book, but whatever he was doing, it was working for me. I enjoyed it. My G can throw on a white T-shirt. I'll say that he can. It was the, he. I was right thankful up, for that fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> Like I had my own uh, idea of who I would have liked to play Atticus. I wanted I wanted Aldous Hodge. 
because I love Aldous Hodge. I think he's such a great actor, and we I just feel like we do not see him enough. And he's um, Journey Smollett's co-star in Underground. Right. Um, so I was just interested that it's, you know, uh, Misha Green, who worked on Underground, you know, Journey Smollett. And then it was like, ooh, but we did not get Aldous Hodge. But uh, Jonathan Long, right? Right. Yeah, Jonathan name? Long. I said Jonathan Major. Long. Right. Um, he he is he is definitely giving me Atticus vibes. It's so it's you know part of me is disappointed because it's like that's not who I would have picked. But he's really um, he when I saw him I was like that is Atticus. Like I I think they nailed it. I think they nailed mm-hmm. it. Um, that's exactly you know what I would what I pictured him kind of looking like and feeling like when reading the book. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, really enjoy him as a character. Uh, John, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Jonathan Majors. Uh, and Is it Majors or Long? Majors. Majors. Is it Majors? Okay. Let's, let's see let's, uh, let's see this real time just make them making sure you don't want to be wrong don't want to be wrong because people will write jonathan majors he's right jonathan majors Majors. okay we apologize jonathan yeah yeah no it's i yeah i really love i, I really do i agree with ariel i think he really encompasses who atticus is and i'm, I'm this I, like episode two that's part is like I'm ready because that's where it's kicking off. Like I am here because that's when things get real spooky and it sets the whole tone. And I'm I'm like I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready for this like action to happen. Uh, and you know yeah and and I think like with the with the action uh, another divergence from the the book is that we get to see the Shagets and there's that whole scene with mm. the Shagets and the book that doesn't exist. Like oh really? Uh, he mentioned Shagets uh, in passing. And they do have the whole sundown town, uh, except in the in the case of the book, uh, they're drive. They make the choice to drive through this town because it's the only way to get to Artem. And they wait till sundown, then turn off the lights of the car and kind of just coast through the town. Mm. And they almost make it out before the police are waiting for them because, of course, they know when anyone's coming through their town. And so you have those like that whole scene. And when I remember like reading, that's when it like really was like. Page Turner, like you're you're stressed, like you're sweating because they're come, they're like instructed to get out. They're kneeling, they're in the back of, they're trying to reason. He's having that whole dialogue, but then it's shadows, like shadows just attack them, and like they're just running, and then they end up in Arkham. So to have this whole extra part where it's like, like Ariel said, with with the nerd moments of being like educated on like you know the supernatural and the fact that it's like it's sundown, but it's also like these vampire things that are active in sundown and you know the light and uh, all those levels was like super exciting and and like I said, like with it's taken a long time for anything Lovecraftian to be properly made. And so I was really, I was like, these are very interesting shoggets that I never imagined them looking like that as someone who like reads Lovecraft and plays games and does all that. They never look like that to me. Oh, really? And so I was like, these are so cool. Like the, with their eyes and the light shined on them and they were all like making those noises and they had legs. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I was the, the blob, just like she says. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Monsters Inc., but not cheesy. Yeah, yeah. 2019. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, t- uh, uh, Leanne Lindsay of and Tine says she loves Aldous Hodge, and that could have been a great choice. So she seconds your uh, your vote there, Ariel. Thank you. I think uh, 
we should all love aldehyde. <laughs> putting that out there. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. So, oh, so one thing that I I was like, am I did I forget something from the book or am I missing something? When Atticus, Atticus makes that phone call and then it gets weird, mm-hmm. and then I felt like he was trying to call Korea. Yeah, yeah. he did that, call Korea. He did call Korea. So I, I mean, I guess we don't really have any information on that, but that again, I, that's not throwaway. So I'm, I'm like marking that, like, what was that? What was that about? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was when they get to Artem and uh, I won't, I, I, I know who I think it is, but I won't say, but when a gentleman opens the door and he says, welcome home, I feel like that's not a greeting that, that he got in the book. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and so again, this whole idea of like he is he is coming into his birthright, not just oh, I've been asked to come to this place. It's welcome home. So it's just it's again saying that again, even in this world of like where they may not want you, you belong here. Like you are home. Um, I thought that was like a really powerful thing. Just kind of when we're talking about um, racism in the Jim Crow South and in segregation, and when we're talking about this magical supernatural world that we seem to be walking into. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that scene added like an extra layer because like right because after everything with sundown, they finally make it. And then the first other human you see is a oh blonde haired blue eyed guy. Oh, okay. And <laughs> yeah. you know who I am and you're welcoming me home. No, nope, this is a trap. I'm cool, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm definitely intrigued to see how episode two turns out. Yeah, the yeah. preview is pretty funny because it has all the, the white people and, and he says, like, don't mind them. Like, even though they're acting like they don't want you here, like you belong here. And it really felt like seeing them all and, and like the way that they're dressed in that little, like, even the second that it was on the screen really kind of like threw me into like the get out mindset of like exactly. when they all pulled up in their funeral cars, mm-hmm. like coming in and they all had like the dark suits on or dark outfits. I was like, oh my gosh, we're like back in the same, like why do we keep walking up into white people like spaces and being like, yep, let's do this yeah. not have yeah. all these sirens <laughs> No, get yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely got that that vibe. Like, if dude had opened that door and had, like, a teacup in his hand, I'd be like, no! <laughs> no. Hey, like, just close the door, bro. I'm good. I'm out. I'm going to go hike this way. Mm-mm. I think get out is funny because I think that became a new rule for black people. It's like, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't drink tea with white folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, don't, don't offer me tea. No, thank you. I, I'm all right. <laughs> I said, you know what? That would that, that should be a thing. Like, not, I'll take water. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no yeah. tea with white well, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Poor British black folks. <laughs> I know. Or, I know. Like, they're, all, they're always trying to give us tea. Always. <laughs> it's tea time. It's tea hours. <laughs> tea party. Like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm very, very, very excited. For, for how it is. Yeah, and I, I love, like, Letty's face when that happens. When he's, like, and all of them, like, looking just, like, soaked in blood, dealing with all that. He opens it, and they're just like... What? What do we do now? But hold up. I am going to call a little bit of foul on, the, on this show, though, because there is no way Atticus... And Letitia run 
through the woods, fall, get up, and continue running through the woods to a cabin, and then realize, oh, wait, where's Uncle George? Like, like, dude. Like, Fear. <laughs> <laughs> Monsters are completely real at this point. You did not think they were real. Like, oh, oh, shit, that's a real one. I'm out. There's, there's no thinking, no processing. Just run. Survival. Be gone. I had the same thought. I had I had the same thought too. I was like, "Damn, Unc's still back there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and especially because we know about his knees. Like yep. he, he mentioned, yes. me, yeah. both his knees were. And so I was like, as soon as they took off, I was like, "Uncle George." Yeah. <laughs> I said it. So like, yeah, I agree a lot. I was like, I was so worried he was gonna die, especially like when he was talking to his wife or whatever. It was, he like, set it up. Setting it up. He yeah. called her and said that she can go on the next one. You know, don't he ain't coming back. First episode of Lesson Two's Police Officer. It was so upsetting. But yeah. he was, spoilers, he was fine. <laughs> spoilers. Hey, if y'all ain't seen it at this point, that's on you. <laughs> we're a review show. That's what this whole point is. Yeah, we're a review show, so come on now. Okay, okay, figures hit us up. He hasn't watched it yet. However, he hasn't read the novel, but he's a longtime HP Lovecraft fan. Knowing that he's a well-known xenophobe, I'm pumped for a story that uses his brilliant mythos to possibly help fight racism. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely here for all the the angry fans that are like big fans of Lovecraft, expecting this to be like just Lovecraft, and then seeing that like it, it is a you know a battle to mm-hmm. Lovecraft himself and like turning it on his head. But also like at the same time, how exciting it is to see those those creatures and to finally get a representation of that. I think it's phenomenal. Like we just yeah we just don't have it. So yeah, I, I'm excited for the angry Twitter. I actually appreciate it that they didn't play hide and seek with the with the creatures. They just put them right out there uh, on, mm-hmm. on Front Street on the first episode, you know, because they're, you're, they're either going to scare you or unnerve you or they're not. And mm-hmm. as much as they are a part of the the story, it's not just about them. You know what I mean? So it's so much more. So let's just put them out there just like we're putting out the racism up front right in your face. So I appreciated that. uh, Randy Green, the Super Triple, says the best line, you should shoot him. That was... (laughs) It's like, now. (laughs) It's like, yo, it's like, without a doubt, cap him. Yeah, I think with the the monsters too, I think it's so... Because they they are kind of goofy. They're goofy looking and they're Mm -hmm. silly. And I and and that's really at the the crux of it. Like Lovecraft's like monsters really are just like eyes, sea creatures, bugs, yes. just kind of smushed together. And you're just like it's supposed. It, and the whole point of it is that they're supposed to be like mind numbing because they're from a different like plane. Right. And so they are like you know, monstrous in that way. But to see them and see how silly they are, and like to see it almost as like a relief in the face of like these murderous white people, it's like it's phenomenal. Like uh, that—that is like one of the best parts. Like, look at these goofy things with the, their eyes doing all these little skittery noises, and it's like, yeah, kill the sheriff, <laughs> shoot him, I'm not even worried about what's outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let him be. Yeah, I think I, I another thing that I think is just interesting is 
how the other changes. So it's like, all right, so it's these cops and they're, you know, marching these these black people into the woods because they are the other. And then like before our eyes, we see one of these cops become the other. So instead of worrying about shooting me and holding the gun on me, you need to shoot him. Like, you know what I mean? And I I thought that was a very interesting change that we got to see. It's like, we see this person who had the power and the majority become the other. And so again, even just kind of, I don't know. I just, I think that was just a really powerful visual, you know, um, you know, given everything that we've been up to with these police officers so far to literally see them become the monster that, yeah. that they are, you know, they they, we see their physical, their outer appearance match their heart, honestly. And I, I think that was like really well done. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not because because in the book, I mean, pretty much it's funny because I for me, I feel like the scene in the book is faster. It's like mm-hmm. Letitia isn't with them. It's just Atticus and George. She's like hiding in the car because I don't even think they realize she's with them at that point. Yeah. And so it's just a bunch of like, you know, shooting into, you know, to shadows and then, move, you know, moving. But again, to have this one on one time with the with the officers when they are afraid, you know, yeah. not when you're just you're putting fear into someone else. Um, was really just a really good way to turn that on its ear. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, any last thoughts? Because, man, this hour just flew by. (laughs) It flew by. It's just so good. It's good. It's a good show. Like, I've never read the book. I'm happy I'm watching this. Like, damn. I'm excited. I'm not going to read it, but I read part of it and recommend finishing (laughs) it for Well, my takeaway is watch it with the subtitles on. And I know better. I know better. Yes. But I was I was showing off because I definitely I missed the Diana piece because I only ever heard them call her D. But then the, mm-hmm. the Di- Diana Hippolyta thing, that makes me really excited for where their story is going to go, what we're going to see them do. I think it's going to be awesome. And who the fuck was Atticus c- trying to call? Yeah, like because that's not there. Someone, yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I'm I'm making a note of it because I'm like, what, like, what was that? And I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited. This is, this is, I think, going to be really good. But the one last thing I wanted to say that I really loved was the atlas that Diana drew in, mm-hmm. and one of the best parts, and it, it kind of is like fleeting because he's just kind of cycling through them, but he has all those monsters. So it's just like a goblin or ogre and then he flips and then it's the clan mm-hmm. and then it flips again. And it's like vampires, but it's like, cause this is one of the monsters, That's right. which like makes me think of like the, the cover of the book, which has like, it looks like tentacles, but it also looks oh, like the clan. Like yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow. I love, I like, it got me an idea of like, I need to make an Atlas where I have like little cryptids that represent the areas. And I was like, that'd be a fun little project. But I was like, but that was so, like, and for a young girl like that to have made that and to include like her as her as a character to include the clan as a part of the, the horrors and the monsters in there. I thought that was like, show, show that again, Gabe, but show it close up just like you did. So that, you clearly yep. see the clan, but then as you pull it back, then you can actually see that it actually is the tentacles and everything. Because that that is a, some very powerful imagery right there. That's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. I, I I have to say I did miss that the first time, so that was pretty cool. Uh, K. Martin is also final thoughts. I absolutely love how this movie unapologetically shows and honors black joy and courage on so many levels. Um, yeah, that party. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Music. Yeah, like I said, it, and what I appreciated about that scene was that all that black love was happening in this neighborhood, even though if you you know what the creation of the elevated train system in major cities actually does to uh, black neighborhoods and, and it, it part it plays in tearing down of black neighborhoods you know having that being built you know almost kind of like this harbinger of what's to come f- to mess mm-hmm. up this all this black love I just thought was like real real dope I really I really I loved it and Kay Martin says thanks for the insightful review Black Tribbles well you're welcome oh, thank you thank you you're very welcome uh, and we will be here every Monday, every Monday night. Uh, action figure expert. He asked us, you know, what are y'all doing on Mondays? Well, <laughs> this is why. At, at 9 p.m., we will be here with a unapologetically, especially next week now that Ariel knows, profane review of, <laughs> of HBO's Lovecraft Country, um, which you can watch. On, on HBO on Sundays at 9 p.m. Then tune into our review, the Safe Triple Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country every Monday at 9 p.m. here on YouTube as well as on our Facebook channels. I like saying that, Facebook channels. That's pretty dope. Uh, and the show will be available as a podcast for your download and streaming pleasure Tuesday morning. 10 o'clock. Every, everywhere you find podcasts. Yes, it is 10 o'clock. That, that was um, the, <laughs> Cat the Timekeeper letting us know. <laughs> My robot minions. <laughs> yes, yes. Death by Robots Tribble letting us know exactly what it is. And Cat, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, if I join again, I will try to be more energetic and have caffeine prior. So that's my promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. You are very, very welcome. And Gabe, if people want some more of the deliciousness that is you and Kat, where do they go? Yeah, you can go to theghoulsnextdoor.com. You can follow us uh, anywhere. Just look for Ghouls Next Door, wherever you find podcasts. Um, We have done an episode on Howard Philip Lovecraft, and we have done an episode on Lovecraft Country, the book. Uh, So if you want to kind of get some background on this show, like to prep, Find us, find us where you find your podcast to get that. Do some studying. Dope, dope. And uh, Super Saiyan Trouble, you know, you got a social media presence, man. Where can people find you? Hey, man, I just, I'm just out here doing my thing. But look, if y'all are more interested in uh, getting at me, I do a little bit of poetry at Writer's Luck 92 on Instagram. Uh, but if you just want my everyday stuff, you can just hit me up at Isaiah Luck on instagram facebook uh except on twitter where i am super saiyan luck and the uh uncanny triple aka bruce leroy triple show enough got things started as the amalgam triple ariel where can people find you um, so you can find uh, me and my Amalgam crew at Amalgam Philly. Uh, that we, you can uh, look for us, Amalgam Philly, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we are currently open uh, Tuesday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Call in and pick up only. 
Uh, we are not letting folks uh, browse the shop, unfortunately, but you can come and call and get a book. Also, we are beefing up our website every day. We are adding more and more of our stock to the website to make it easier for people to find and purchase. Um, so you can definitely check us out at amalgamphilly.com. And yeah, that's where we be. All right, cool. And check us out, uh, the Black Tribbles. We will come be coming your way on Thursday as our regular radio show on WPPM LP 106.5 FM. Philly Cam, people power media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. This Thursday at 9 p.m. where we will be continuing our top 10 summer as we bring you the top 10 protagonists of all time. Wow, that is going to be a huge list to have to call down to 10. Watch and see how we do it this Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen. And you can find everything Black Tribbles on blacktribbles.com and any place and every place that podcasts be. All right. We've got to get out of here for the Death by Robots Tribble, for the Super Saiyan Tribble, for Ariel the Uncanny Tribble, for Gabe the Horror Tribble. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. In parting, we say... We got to get the fuck up out of here. Peace <laughs> 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 be safe. Mass up.